Welcome to Low Theology, the podcast that brings heavenly ideas down to earth. I'm your host, Kristen Moon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Low Theology. It is the podcast that brings heavenly ideas down to earth. Each week is a new exploration of Christianity, faith, the Bible, all that sort of stuff. So if you've never been to church or you don't know about Christianity or you have questions about Christianity or you just want to listen to people talk about uh, their faith and and things like that, uh, this is the podcast for you. And I hope you enjoy some episodes like the one today. There will be a guest and I'll have a conversation with the guest uh, about their faith background and kind of what they believe and some episodes are just me alone kind of explaining something and um, so yeah I hope you enjoy you can listen to low theology wherever you get your podcasts so apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify etc uh, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and then rating the podcast and if you're a podcast listener like myself like Every podcast begs you for ratings, and now that I have one, I understand why that's a thing, and that's because the only way that you pop up when people search or, like, that you get on lists and stuff like that is from ratings, so it really does actually help other podcasts and this one out if you go in and just rate them, and it, and I, I like, had kind of ignored that for years and years, uh, listening to podcasts, and then after, now I'm hosting one, I'm like, oh, that's why, and then I went in and rated all the podcasts that I like to listen to, and it really doesn't take that long, and a rating, like, that's literally, like, you just have to click on, like, how many stars you think we deserve, and then if you really want to go into it, then you, like, write something, but if you don't have time for that, I get it. Anyway, um, you can also follow Low, the- Low Theology on social media, so Facebook and Instagram, uh, at Low Theology, and you can join in the conversation by either commenting on those two things or emailing me, lowtheology at gmail.com. And I am officially ending the beeped or censored versions of the podcast. No one's listening to them, and no one cried out after last week's episode. So there, I'm done. No more. Uh, you can still go on and find the older beeped episodes, but no one's listening to them so i'm just not gonna do that and um yeah in this episode i talk with van who's the guest of this episode van and uh we talk about how he grew up in an immigrant family and the the cultural and faith background development that he had from that and we talk about uh the core values that we shared um, and what core values are shared between Buddhism and Christianity. And he tells his personal faith story and he talks about his job. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's pretty light on facts this episode, but make sure you listen all the way through for a fact check at the end and enjoy. All right. So I'm joined, uh, this evening, this fine December evening, um, by, uh, I'm going to say friend, yeah. friend, Van. So Van, if you want to say hello. Hello, I'm Van <laughs> Chalamantri. Wow, what a fun last name. <laughs> Had to grow into it. It's 14 letters and <laughs> as a kid, you don't love that. Yeah, that's tough. I always felt sorry for kids who had like long names. Like my name's so nice, Kristen Moon. Right, easy. Just, yeah, 
You can't really come up with nicknames for me and for my last name either. <laughs> oh, I could. <laughs> it was more mispronunciations that became nicknames. Yeah, like Chill Man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. kind of does fit you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're you're from the the land of ten thousand lakes. Ten thousand lakes. Hundred thousand lakes. There are more lakes one, than ten thousand. One million lakes. Lots of lakes. <laughs> As a there are coffee shops on every block. There's a lake on every block. Mm. Yeah. That's Minnesota for those of you who are listening. <laughs> Fun fact though, pretty sure Montana has more lakes than Minnesota. Possibly, I've actually. I've been told. Going to fact check that, but that was in a sad movie I watched once, and I was like, oh, that's a fun fact. Um, so yeah, did you grow up in Minnesota? Pretty much for the most of my life. I was born in Thailand in a refugee camp, Whoa. and then moved over stateside when I was two, and been in Minnesota ever since. Wow. That's correct. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, did you move with your whole family, or were you adopted? I moved with the whole family, so my mom and dad grew up in Laos next door. And then I was born in the refugee camp. My brother was born about a year and a half later in the Philippines on our way over. We came over with my uncle and his family, so I have a cousin there. And then my aunt and her family, so that's about five kids from her family. And then my grandpa came over as well. Wow. So what, what in Laos drove your family to be refugees? From what I heard, the government was not so great after the Vietnam War because Laos had sided with the U.S. during the conflict. When the Vietnamese won, they left Laos to fend for themselves and the U.S. forgot about them. And so things weren't getting better after the war. They decided, let's take our chances somewhere else. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so, well, this is just from my layman's understanding of immigration minnesota seems to be like a haven for immigrants because the lutherans are really good at like organizing that kind of situation is that why your family went to minnesota or no no, there are a lot of church sponsors yeah for sure in minnesota that get refugees and immigrants in we had family members already here and friends that were living in minnesota because it wasn't for the weather, coming from a tropical climate <laughs> into the frozen tundra was not right. a preference. That never makes sense to me why, why Minnesota. But familiarity was the reason when okay. you know folks who speak your native tongue right. and can help you assimilate a little bit easier into the American culture. That was why they chose Minnesota. Cool. Mm-hmm. So do you, are you bilingual? Uh, trilingual, actually. Right, so, nice. so bilingual, uh, speak Laotian at home. Uh, learn English in the school systems, and then later on, growing up, learning Spanish. Rad. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is Laotian similar to Vietnamese, or...? More similar to Thai, okay. I would say. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Huh. Learning so much. Yeah. Um, and then, <clears throat> so were you raised, um, like, in in a Christian home or in a non-denom home? Or... I was raised Buddhist because of oh, my culture nice. and heritage, actually. So I remember going to the temples every now and then with my parents to celebrate various holidays, whether it's Lao New Year or certain things um, with the Buddhist culture. What's a Lao New Year? Just to celebrate the, uh, I think it follows the same calendar as the Chinese zodiac. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was usually around February. 
Okay. That we go to the temple and basically as a kid it was a chance to run around with your friends and family members, your cousins, and eat great food. Do you still <clears throat> practice or celebrate any part of Buddhism or have you kind of just left that behind? Not really. I take some of the values with me, but they're not any different than the values of Christianity when it comes to treating others in a very hospitable way, making sure that you're not getting caught up in so much material things. And for a lot of my life growing up was trying to be perfect so that I could get reincarnated in a way where my, my next life would be a better opportunity or better circumstances. So that was the mentality growing up until Christianity came about. When was that? That was ninth grade. A friend invited me to church on a Wednesday night. But I oh, didn't say holy day I didn't youth. say yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy youth group day of the week for sure. I didn't say yes right away. It took him three months. He actually would come up to me every day and ask me in math class. How annoying. Van yeah no. <laughs> Exactly, no, it really was. And say, Van, do you know what day it is? Like it's Wednesday. Do you know what's going on tonight? Yeah, you have youth group. And I remember making so many excuses, homework, family plans, sports. And after three months, I got fed up and annoyed. And so I remember standing up out of my desk and getting mad at him. And I said, hey, if I go with you once, just stop asking me. I don't. that's what Jesus said to do. <laughs> right? Annoy to, them into loving To me. pester <laughs> them until they say yes. Until they can't say that no, no really more. That was the Great Commission. Go forth and make disciples by pestering them daily. It's in the fine print. <laughs> so I finally went to youth group that Wednesday night, and the youth pastor there gave a message to the high school students and my peers and talked about a guy named Jesus who wants to love you no matter what. And I'm sitting there as a teenager in the pew, and I thought to myself, Let's give this a shot, and if it doesn't work out, I can tell people down the road, I gave Christianity a try, I gave Jesus a, a shot, and it's not for me. Hmm. Basically, I don't want people asking me every Wednesday again to come to youth group. Right. Yeah. Right. Christians can be quite obnoxious. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing in, in the Buddhist culture to be evangel like evangelicals? No, not at all. I think you, you live out your life with your actions, and then if that catches people's eyes, they'll ask you, why do you live this way with certain attitudes or behaviors? It's never, hey, come check out the temple with me, or come check out what Buddhism means. A lot of it, I think, is this self-enlightenment mentality, and you want people to figure out for themselves and never force a certain way of life on the people and I wonder if that was the case maybe with my parents and they never really forced a certain lifestyle on me and they allowed me to choose which I'm grateful for do you are you do you consider yourself to be more like that kind of laid back and and let people come to you or are you more out there and, and evangelizing and stuff like that I used to be in high school and college I remember asking a lot of friends to come to church with me or youth group. Then college came around and I went to a Catholic private college. And so it was more fun and entertaining for me to invite the Catholics to come check out 
a service that wasn't normally mass or didn't look like mass for them when it was electric guitar player on stage with drums and a singer and you know there wasn't any call and response that they're used to in in the math in mass and no genuflecting or never taking a knee yeah <laughs> stuff like that it was fun and then for them to have their eyes open of oh yeah christians can worship differently and maybe we're created to connect with god in different ways Nowadays, I think it's more how can I show up and love people? And when they're ready to hear about Jesus, they'll probably ask about it. For me, it maybe becomes a little bit easier because when I meet strangers, if the question pops up of what do you do for work? Because I'm a youth pastor, I'll tell them that. And then some are more curious than others. Some are, okay, great, you work at a church. And some might say, well, how'd you get into that? What do you like about it? Some people tell me, oh, that must suck, man, working with kids. <laughs> actually, I love kids. Yeah. I'll tell them kids are actually great. And so you're Presbyterian now. Or you go the to church I work at okay. is Presbyterian. I would probably tell myself that I'm non-denominational. Yeah, I think the labels don't matter too much to me as long as people are walking the talk and living outwardly instead of inwardly. I think sometimes churches focus so much inside the four walls, they forget what they're called to do is love the rest of the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Word. And so what drew you to, to working in a Presbyterian church? Is it just the job was available? or? That's also an interesting story. I was a chemistry and math double major in college, and I was on my way to do research and find cures for diseases. I graduated in 2008 when the economy had a downturn, and so all these companies and small pharmaceuticals were downsizing and having job freezes. A couple of the women were going on maternity leave at the time at the church, and I had volunteered there as an intern in my summers between my college years. The church asked for me to come on board and fill in for the ladies. I said, great, you're going to give me a summer period to work and get paid and have time to look for a science job down the road. Lo and behold, they never let me go, and they've always found a reason to keep me around or a role for me to play. Yeah. And so for for a while, it was second and third grade, then fourth and fifth grade, and then I ended up teaching preschool for a year. And six years ago, they asked me to come on board and do middle school full-time. And at first, I was probably having the same reaction most people have when you tell them you want to work with middle schoolers and you cringe Which is, heck yes i do <laughs> middle schoolers are the greatest people in the world they're awkward they're going through transitions <laughs> they don't know what's going on they smell oh yeah and stink. and in my mind i was like i don't <laughs> know body spray everywhere <laughs> for sure the boys always bring it on camp it's hilarious the boys think it's so funny trying to spray the girls around camp i let them it's pretty funny to watch actually and so, yeah, I think the kicker was that I knew most of the kids already. I wasn't going into a program where I had to learn all these new names. And the hidden blessing of going into middle school was that I had seen all these kids grow up. And now I have high schoolers that volunteer for me that I had in middle school or college students come back for the summers and work with us that I had growing up. It's been great. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, is your, does your family like go to church or anything like that? Or did you kind of like break away and That's a good question. become the black sheep? <laughs> At first I had this huge burden on my shoulders. Do I need to be the one to show my parents and my family Christianity and invite them to church? Yes. No. <laughs> I knew, I knew there are folks that very traditional, don't like change in life, and not very open-minded. And so I realized, all right, maybe I can love them through my actions. And God has them on their own journey, and if it's time for them to be open-minded and, and, and try a different way of living out life, then that's f- between them and God. I'm here to show up and to love them. My... Parents know what I do for work. Obviously, I work at a church, but they have no clue what that entails. Don't have an interest in what I do on a day-to-day basis. There's times when I travel for camp, and they'll call, and like, where are you? Like, oh, I'm in, you know, the Boundary Waters, or I'm out in Idaho for camp. Oh, you didn't tell us? Like, you never asked. I, you never talked to me about my work. And so they would prefer if I was a doctor or a lawyer something more prestigious success looks different to us for them is monetary and financial for me it's finding purpose and meaning in what you do growing up mom and dad never talked about work it was a means to an end and they would come home and that was it when people talk to me about my job i love sharing about it i love telling people what i do if they're willing to listen. My brother's probably a little more agnostic, if anything. He probably believes there's something out there, but hasn't put the time into searching if church community is is meant for him or not. Yeah. So there's some disagreement on some certain values on life between my parents and I and my family and I. But they can't argue that I am very content and joyful in my life and the things that I do and get to do. And do they still practice like Buddhism? Or are they kind of just like whatever? They Yeah, they would call themselves Buddhists. We were never practicing Buddhists. We didn't... What's that called? Do the Buddhists go to church? Not really. We don't go to church, but we, there's no disciplines that we were doing growing up. We didn't meditate or anything like that. I think we were simply respectful I remember moving once in high school across town to uh, the house that we built and it was customary to have the Buddhist monks over to bless the house. And my mom introduces me to one of the Buddhist monks and she says, this is Van, my eldest son, and he goes to church. As a teenager, I'm thinking, oh goodness, I do not want to have a theological conversation right now. I'm not ready for this. And out of all the phrases he could have said, he turned to my mom and said, that's a good thing. He's going to make him a better person down the road. And I think she's seen that over time. Yeah, which has been good for them. They can't argue that Christianity is bad for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. I always like that when there's like an acceptance kind of thing. Yeah. Between different faith backgrounds and stuff. Like... Especially between the ones that are kind of on the same page and, like, the core value system. like Yeah, correct. The core values are the same. Can't really fight with you on this because I agree with you when it 
it's at the end of the day kind of thing. <laughs> so. I, I agree with that, that we should be respectful of different people's backgrounds and beliefs and values. I think a lot of folks would die for their own beliefs, and that's something beautiful that we should be respectful of. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I mean, it's biblical too, right? Like, how many times in the New Testament is it pointed out over and over again that there's no Greek or Roman or Jew or Gentile? Like, we're all one in the body of Christ and that kind of thing. Like, um, and, and that grace kind of pours out and it's big enough for everyone and it's not just for you and it's not just for me and um i think that you catch more flies with honey than vinegar (laughs) and (laughs) i've never heard that saying that's good that's a southern saying (laughs) beautiful (laughs) um i always joke that i should make an, an ism book from my mom but i found that she's actually not that original she just took them up from other people but yeah um and I just kind of like that as, like, a general practice in life of, like, you do you. But if you're ever curious, yeah. if you're ever interested, I'm here. Well, that's why I have this podcast, like, Low Theology. Like, it's accessible. It's here for you if you need it. Like, we drink wine while, while we talk Correct. about Jesus. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think some Christians can give us a bad name when they're in your face about it. Yeah. And there's something about letting things happen organically. Well, and the thing that I think I've said a million times, and I'll probably say a million times more, is like it's about the community and the relationship that you're building. And if you're working on making a community that's welcoming and loving and, and all the things that Jesus told us to be, then that sounds more attractive to me than going out and kind of pushing and being obnoxious and 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 doing that kind of uh, outreach, it never looks flattering, in my opinion. It, it seems hurtful. <laughs> but I don't know. That's just my opinion. I agree. It's about relationship building. Yeah. And kind of winning the right to be heard and Letting people know that they're in a safe environment to, to ask questions if they're curious and to figure out alongside people who are going to some ways hold their hand. Yeah. Well, and I think it's kind of that idea, too, of, like, basic needs need to be met first, too. Sometimes, like, you need to make sure that you're safe. You need to make sure that you're fed and, and that you have a house and health care and, like, the basic needs need to yeah. be met before you can have those theological needs met too. Like, um, I mean, Jesus made sure that even the people that were just kind of following him around got fed. Correct. And like, he would heal people's sickness and he would like, I mean, the reason that he made water into wine, I don't think was to be a show off. You know, he was at a wedding. It was traditional that wine would be served at a wedding and oh, we ran out, and, like, oh, what an embarrassment to the family and everything mm. and, like, a dishonor on their marriage. So what did Jesus do? He, fu- like, he fixed the problem, <laughs> and, and that looked like making water into wine. Yeah. And so I think sometimes when we get a little too, like, complicated, just like, no, Jesus Jesus kept it pretty simple. He saw, he saw what needed to get done, and he did it. Oh, 
we're out of wine. I can fix that problem. Also, watch this cool trick, guys. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a show off, but he wasn't there to pick up the chicks. Yeah, <laughs> meeting people's needs. <laughs> well, just because it wasn't documented doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> I wish he could be a romantic role model. We might be have better dating habits in life. <laughs> I mean, did you listen to the Song of Solomon episode? There's a really good example. Of relationships smack dab in the middle of the Bible. It's Perfect. right there. I'll check it out. <laughs> have you read it? I have read it, but you said there was a podcast. I haven't listened to that one. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. It's called Song of Songs. I was really sick when I made it, so it's very straightforward. <laughs> Got it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um. So, so now in your life, I mean, I think you and I have very similar jobs like Christianity is just sure. kind of all encompassing in everything that we do and like just oh god it's everywhere. Do you ever get kind of over it? Do you ever kind of just want to like can I just have like a a break from this for a bit? Can I just not talk about Jesus for a week? <laughs> That's a great question. I haven't thought about that too too often cuz it's been so a part of my life and the ins and outs and what I do and how I live. I think there are certain times when I want to be a rebel, but then my conscience takes hold of me and lets me know, Van. What is what does the rebellion look like for you? What does rebellion look like for me? I think I would love some debauchery in life to <laughs> to have some some drunken evenings or to. You've got three more bottles of wine, gold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a yeller, and, and and you know, if you're ever out at two in the morning after bar closed somewhere, you, you hear some people yelling, <laughs> and then you think, oh, it's so unbecoming, is this what humanity has gone to? It's always been that way. True, yes, so true, and, and then I remind myself that I do have folks that look up to me. I've got all these youth that look at me and see me. And I can do most things within reason and in moderation. And when I drink around college students that are of age, to show them that you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol and libations is important. And so I have parts of my life where people don't know what I do and people don't see me as a Christian. They see me as a human being first and I appreciate that because I think we're more than our labels. So I have friends that, that aren't Christians or don't go to church, but they are welcoming and they want to hang out with me, and I appreciate that, and I want to hang out with them as well, and not in a way where I'm evangelizing them or anything like that, but because we're human beings and we need social interaction and community. And I enjoy that they have their struggles in life and their perspectives in life. I also think if Christians are always talking to Christians and no one's talking to non-Christians, not that you need to evangelize them or talk to them about faith. But having those interactions can lead to some great growth and then perspectives when you have these different perspectives. I think it allows you then to connect with a lot of different personalities and characteristics. So I don't know. Yes and no. Yes, I, I enjoy my time away from the church or talking about Jesus and, and being a human being 
And then I'm always drawn back to it because I know that this is a way of living that I've appreciated. I always told myself if I ever found a better way of living life with values and attitudes and, and, and virtues, I would have taken that route a long time ago. I was open-minded once to change my way of life. And I, I like to think I'm pretty open-minded again. And when I come across different values or ideologies, they're good. They're not... Yeah, what was like the, the like the selling point for you for Christianity? That we didn't have to earn our salvation. Mm. And I think all these other religions and, and ways of life, there was an idea of earning it or having to work for it or do something for it or paying a penance for it. And when I heard about Jesus dying on the cross and that grace is a free gift, all you have to do is say yes. I thought that was beautiful as a story in itself, but also as a gesture of of love to us humans and our creator. I think about the idea of sacrifice. When we make sacrifices for other people, there is this bond that's created and a sacrifice of your time, your resources, your finances. For a lot of humans, it's our way of, of showing appreciation and love to others. And when I think about Jesus sacrificing himself, God sacrificing his son, that idea really captivated me. And I thought, what a beautiful story of redemption and rescue. And I haven't heard of a more wonderful story with those circumstances. Couldn't agree more. On that note, um, I think both of our, our glasses are empty. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, and we'll be you're enjoying the episode i just wanted to remind you that if you want to join in on the low theology conversation so if you have questions or comments or anything like that you can email me at lowtheology at gmail.com or you can find me on instagram or facebook and either private message me on there or whatever and uh, I think it'd be fun if you emailed me questions that you have about faith or Christianity or the Bible and things like that, and then I can kind of curate those individual episodes to you, the listener, and kind of create something that you actually want to listen to and are going to enjoy. So if you want to do that, go ahead and reach out and join in on the Low Theology Conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll let you get back to the episode. All right, we're back from that that little wine break. Um, oh, I, I, I like to say what we're drinking. It's a fun little plug, because I'm usually drinking something local. So uh, both wines that we're enjoying tonight are Chateau de Michelle. Uh, so right now you're, you're doing, you're onto this one. You're on the Correct. Dry, Ringling, dry Riesling. Uh, and then I've been on the soft blog. I'll, I'll crack into that Riesling later, but right now it's all soft blog up in here. Um, 
Are you are you a big fan of the Bible? Big fan of the Bible. I'm a fan <laughs> of books and reading in general. Bible's yeah? a good one. What kind of books do you like? We'll get to the Bible. I love, when it comes to fiction, murder mysteries. Mm. The gory, the better. I've got yeah. a very vivid imagination. I and have a book I'm going to give some you. Some crime scenes in some books are very vivid and it's i exactly the opposite of what i like to read so i'm gonna just give you this book because i don't want it <laughs> otherwise i enjoy some personal growth books when it comes to having rhythms or habits that are helpful or healthy in life like have you read that book the seven habits of highly successful people i just picked that up funny that you mentioned it i found it last one. week and i just picked it up so i'm looking forward to reading it enjoy <laughs> okay, we'll do. Um, yeah, I just uh, started reading this book that um, our bishop suggested that we read, and then I'm supposed to be going to Bible study and enjoying it with our community, but yesterday I was feeling like garbage, so I didn't go. Um, but so far, I'm really enjoying the book. It's called We Make the Road by Walking, hmm. and it's sitting right over there. Um, and I'm I'm really enjoying it so far, so... Hopefully there's there's more goodness in it, but it's about it's just really funny reading it and listen and then like knowing what I'm doing with the podcast and I'm like oh it's kind of like what I'm trying to do, and just kind of new perspectives on Christianity and and community and things like that. So so yeah. Brian McLaren, he's a great author. I've read oh Naked Spirituality. That's the other famous oh, one. Okay, yeah, I, I read that. that one. Yep. <laughs> That's how I know that See, name. I'm terrible with authors. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, people are like, oh, have you read any la da 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 I'm like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Give me a title. <laughs> sure, correct. <laughs> Which is the exact opposite with music. You tell me a song title. I don't know. Who's it by? <laughs> <laughs> Book titles? Yeah. Song titles? Nah. Um, cool. So then, book in the Bible. What's your favorite? Favorite book in the Bible? I'm going to go James. It's pretty short and sweet, like yours True. truly. <laughs> how, how tall are you? I'm 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and a good hair day if it's up. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, so, because it's a podcast, just a visual for everyone out Correct. there. Correct, <laughs> yep, yep. I'm like your modern-day Zacchaeus. Uh, well, yeah. that's one of my... Mine is the tax collector. You don't make a lot of money in the world of ministry. It's not why you're there. Fact. <laughs> yeah. I always joke that Jesus doesn't pay well. Um, but in the story of Zacchaeus, in some translations, it says that Zacchaeus climbed the tree because he was short. Because, right, he's trying to look at Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't say who the he is. Was Jesus short? So Zacchaeus needed to climb his tree to see him? Or was Zacchaeus short? Sure, because Jesus would have been surrounded by a crowd. Mm -hmm. And you, got, you want to see the guy in the middle of the crowd, mm -hmm. if the middle guy's short. Some, some translations are very, very, like, pointed. They're yeah. like, Zacchaeus was short. Like, my, my translation, it's like, Zacchaeus was short. But in some translations, it just says, he was short. Mm. So, sure. you don't know. Is it Zacchaeus or was it Jesus? Good point. Right? But he did climb a tree to see, uh, get a better view. Yeah. Yep. I mean... That's really not the important part in the story of Zacchaeus, but <laughs> <laughs> the tree climbing part was not the most important. Correct. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you what was done, done, done. To be continued later yeah. podcast. So why James? 
I think he gets to the point and for like John as well then (laughs) for new Christians I think James is a great book to start on true true most people say you know read one of the gospels which is also a a good response Matthew but for folks who don't love reading or don't have the attention span to 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 read and have that time James you can hit out of the park in in, in one sitting it's not a long read at all it's like three chapters yeah I think I'll fact check that yeah, yeah. Kind of short. Cool. And talks about how you should live and what it looks like to have a faith that's lived out. You're really into the instructions on living part of Christianity, aren't you? I think you say more through your actions than through your words. From someone who speaks for a living and delivers messages and sermons, how I live out my life is going to captivate people more by w- more than what I say. And I really believe that. I've spoken to a lot of people. If I'm honest, not a lot of lives are changed by my, my own speaking. More lives are changed when I am in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And they get to see me live it out or I live it out with other people in it's some like ways. That, it's like that uh, that Catholic guy that was like preach the gospel always when necessary use words correct yes yeah i'll fact check who actually said that i can't remember that is a famous quote though yes yeah (laughs) i just remember (laughs) uh there was this like catholic girl that went to high school with me and she sat in front of me in biology class and she had a shirt that said that i always liked it on the days that she wore it but i also thought it was ironic that she wore it on a shirt because you have to read it. Yeah, yeah sure. I was like, well... Hey, what are you trying to say, actually? <laughs> She's not technically... I don't know. It's kind of a catch-22 on a t-shirt. Yeah. I, I dig it. <laughs> but, yeah. I always liked that shirt. Um, she got a, like, a big Catholic youth gathering thing. Nice. So, um, yeah, so... Okay, just from my own curiosity, so you work at a Presbyterian church. What is, like, the basis of Presbyterianism? It's Calvinism, right? Yeah. When I look in the history of it, John Knox was a follower of Calvin. Calvin believes in predestination. Right. And so John Knox was the founder of the Presbyterian denomination. And so I think there is a certain belief of God, who's all-knowing, has a plan for your life. I am actually someone more on the the free will theology, that we have a say in what happens in eternity. That how we live our life, the choices we make, then determine what happens down the road for us. I think God, as an all-knowing being, probably knows what type of person I'm going to marry or what type of job I'm going to end up doing in life. But I don't think he has like a specific person in mind for me or a name and or like a specific place for me to live or that type of mentality. I don't think it has to be all planned out. I think it takes out the fun. It's all planned out. Or you could go with that. Like the theory, uh, like the physics of 
like the multiple universes thing. <laughs> oh man, that, that would is, just mess communism up. That's a little mind blowing. <laughs> All it... options are options because everything is possible. <laughs> and in other alternative universe, you're gay. <laughs> Growing up, it was fascinating because my peers who were in science would tell me, "Man, how can you be?" such a believer in Christianity when you know all this science. And I don't think easy. They need to be mutually exclusive. Not at all. They can go hand in hand in a lot of ways and Yeah. In the last episode that I deleted, this was the basis of our conversation. <laughs> Hopefully the last episode will come back someday. Maybe someday in a director's maybe cut. I can convince the guest to be on again. She did not want to be on in the first place. Oh man. I accidentally <laughs> deleted her episode. Uh yeah, science and religion is a fascinating concept that doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Were you, like, really into science as a, as a youth? Huge. I love dissecting anything. Gross, but okay. Yep. <laughs> I love the way the human body is created and how we work science-wise. You and my sister would get along so And well. the more I learned even just about our anatomy and our bodies, I think about, man, only a beautiful creator can have put all these things together and all right. the intricate parts working together. And the more I learn about science and the unknown, I think about, okay, God has got things figured out, and we might not be able to understand everything this side of heaven. There are things that are still mystery, things that we accept as acceptable theory but can't be proven or disproven. Yeah. I think, I mean, just in my observation it seems to me that people who are interested in science really do go one of two ways that you're either like science is so cool and it explains everything there is no god or science is so cool it explains everything there must be a god yeah sure there's never really it doesn't seem to me like there's anyone that's really gung-ho into science that's like science is cool and explains everything i don't really know <laughs> like it doesn't ever seem like there's that person yeah <laughs> like there's not like an agnostic like scientist out there it seems like they're either atheist or christian like it's it's one or the other <laughs> sure okay. but that's just again my experience if you're if you're an agnostic scientist please let me know i'd like love to, talk to have to you on the podcast yeah i'd love to talk to you about that <laughs> what's that middle area like <laughs> um so more in the biology kind of sciences and stuff like that yeah and even how the world works the fact that the Earth is so far the only planet that we found life on has been amazing. Yeah. And the fact that the Earth has to be exactly exactly so far, so far yeah. away from the sun to have life occur. Yeah. Yeah, I had a douchey uh, teacher in college. I I had to take astronomy um, for a science credit, and because like I had to have a science credit. Actually, I think it counted as math credit because it's physics. And my advisor, she was like, oh, you're terrible at math. You should take this class. And I was like, that makes zero sense to me. But okay, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> so I walk in day one. Teacher walks in. Douchey as hell. And, I mean, it's the plot of, like, a terrible Christian movie. Like, I kid you not. Like, he walks in and he's like, if you're a Christian and you feel like you need to, like, share the gospel and you're going to change my mind, you can get the hell out of this class right now. Oh, wow. I don't want to hear your bullshit. And just went on this rant against Christians and everything like that. And I was like, 
well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because first of all, I don't disagree with you. And second of all, I need an A and to graduate college. Yeah. And I don't really care if you're going to hell or not. No. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no. So, um, but I found it fascinating because we ran all these like simulations. We used to this, um, this uh, like software yeah. in the computer. And you'd, I mean, like, again, my my advisor really understood it because okay so this this teacher was like a cocky sob like he was like all of you are dumb and so i was like yes yes sir i am and he's like so let me do this for you pretty much and yep. like he came around and like put this program in our calculators and like pretty much just told us what to do and then we had just had to like write observations of it yeah so we would use this like software where we would like simulate um universes being created yep. and it was really cool um so you'd enter in all these like numbers again like i have no freaking idea i don't think i learned a gosh darn thing in this class but it was really cool to like see how it all worked and like so you'd you'd watch how like the the like sun was formed and then it would like spin really fast and then like chunks of it would fly off and then they'd go in orbit and then like some of and then like they'd go away or they'd come back and then like and then some of them would like have their own things and they're like, oh, that's a moon and like, oh, that's a planet. And then because it's that far away from the sun and like at this many billion years, it would it would create this and then it would wow. become this. And then this is what yeah. that would look like. And, and just all these different things based on like the size of the sun or the star that the, the universe was like orbiting around mm -hmm. like and how and when and, and just how perfect. And like everything about that class, though, like we did all of these simulations in class. And not a single planet could sustain human life, wow. like Earth. And all that did, like, and so for my teacher, right, that just made him more of an asshole. <laughs> and, like, more of, like, God is dead and la da da and, like, there is no creator. Like, I am God kind of thing. But for me, I was like, you, how many of these, like, you're teaching at a community college in Wyoming, and you have this problem, but like, how many of these simulations have you run? And somehow we got here. I don't think that's an accident. <laughs> like, yeah. Like everything about that class just like cemented in my faith. And this is like when I was going through like my hard time with God and Jesus and everything. Mm -hmm. But everything about it was like, there's there's no way this is an accident. Like, there's no way that I am not just fully adored by god that i'm even breathing looking yep. at this right now like how can you not see that the creator of the universe loves you so friggin much that you're even alive you arrogant vest wearing man did you end up getting an a oh yeah because yeah, <laughs> i kept my mouth shut <laughs> and i did exactly what i was told which is what you do when you meet an egomaniac you yeah. just go mm-hmm and also i had to like because i was in speech and debate and i had to take a week off for speech internationals and so when i was in germany i got him chocolates and i brought back chocolates never hurts to suck up a little bit that helps kids in college sucking up professors are human UAs. beings too and sometimes I've also found if you have a professor that just hates your cuts, drop the class, find a new one. Yeah. Just just get out of there. You have choices. Yeah. Cuz I tried I tried with this one professor. I was like, "She will love me." No, she never did. And I got to see. <laughs> just drop the class. <laughs> she 
She's not going to love you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what did you study in college? Chemistry and math. Okay. Yep. So, I love... Classic Asian subjects. If They for sure are. <laughs> I was thinking my Asian genetics came in handy. Appreciate them. I wanted to someday be a teacher down the road. And those were the subjects that I really enjoyed. And I had wonderful teachers and professors growing up. I told myself, once I lose a passion for something, I'll just change. And I'm grateful that my educators were wonderful people and helped me along to still fall in love with those subjects. Science and math are both objective. There's a right and a wrong, which I appreciate. There's no kind of in the gray area if you're writing a paper or research. It's like this either occurred or it didn't. And I like the black and white and interestingly enough, I am now working in an area that there's a lot of gray hmm. when it comes to talking with people and life. Knowing that Jesus is, for me, the way, the truth, and the life, and understanding that that's not the same way others might see it. Is that challenging for you sometimes? I don't think so. I have to understand that we all have our different stories and upbringings. I have my unique upbringing of growing up Asian-American transitioning from Buddhism to Christianity and that has its own struggles. I think most people have a story that they want to share. Oftentimes there's not an ear to listen and when you offer them someone who is willing to hear and listen to their stories, for the listener you gain this deeper appreciation for everyone's story and struggles and triumphs and adversities. You also then maybe take a peek a little bit at your own life and things that you're grateful for and things that were challenging. When it comes to human interaction there, sometimes is a connection through empathy and that is a beautiful thing. When you can hear someone's story and, and let them know that, yeah, that part in your life was rough, that was challenging, that sucks. Or things that you can celebrate with them and tell them, I'm glad that occurred in your life. That sounds amazing. Have you always been good at that or is that something you learned how to do? For sure learned to be outwardly thinking and other people thinking. Growing up, it was all about me. Very egotistical. What can I do? How can I better my life? It doesn't matter what other people are doing. I just need to focus on me. And then when I shifted my perspective and took out my blinders a little bit and saw that how can I then enrich other people's lives? How can I love them well? That became a life worth living. I think when you live so much for yourself, so much to gain, but yet a life that's not fulfilled. And when you are able to be a part of other people's lives, change other people's lives for the better, there is a inner sense of accomplishment and a life that's worth living. And that comes simply over time from being intentional first about loving people and how can I serve or help others that are around me in my communities, the people I come in contact with. And hopefully down the road it becomes second nature or a habit that you cultivate. Something as simple as someone's walking behind me and I'm going to open the door and I'll hold it open for them. It becomes habit and then hopefully those habits then become a part of your character. And hopefully down the road people see that character in you and want to emulate that because you become a role model and you have influence. Do you base that off of someone in your life or 
I had a lot of mentors growing up, and I'm grateful for them. They weren't mentors that I sought out. They were people who were older who were willing to spend time with me. And little did I know then that their connection with me and their relationship with me would have these beautiful ripple effects down the road of then me mentoring younger folks and coming alongside other folks and helping them navigate life ups and downs. So I'd owe it, I owe it all to my, my small group leaders, my mentors, my youth group staff that when I was a teenager. So I'm grateful for those older folks who have lived life and want to pour in the younger folks, including myself, so that I can either do better or, or live a life that's filled with less struggles and challenges. Not that life is not going to give you struggles or challenges, but I think a lot of times our choices can help us navigate in a way where we don't have to hit all the challenges that life has to offer. Well, that's just lovely. And I think that's a, a good place to end. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Anytime. It's good getting to know you more. I didn't know most of this about you. So this is just fascinating. Surprise. I really it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Every- thank you so much. Everyone's got a story. Thank you for listening to mine. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Welcome to the fact check for this episode with Van. It was uh, a pretty fun episode. I really enjoy how thoughtful every one of Van's responses were to questions. And that, I think, is why this is a pretty fact light episode. So I'm just going to delve right in. Van is from Minnesota, unfortunately, but we still love him. Um, And Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes. Not true. Minnesota, I mean, yeah, that is like their like motto or whatever. Uh, But Minnesota actually has 11,842 lakes of 10 acres or more. So there, there might be more lakes, but they're not significant. So... There you go. And then I made a statement that there are more lakes in Montana than in Minnesota. I couldn't find anything to back that fact up. But Minnesota may be the land of 10,000 lakes, but Alaska is the state with more than 3 million lakes. So take that, Minnesota. I mean, Alaska's freaking huge, so that kind of makes sense. And then um, I talk about how Minnesota welcomes a lot of immigrants, and that I just kind of kind of curious. Um so I wondered which state welcomes the most immigrants. It's California. Minnesota isn't even in the top 15. So there you go. Fun little fact. He talks about the Buddhist New Year. And I asked when that was and he said he didn't really know. And uh, so I looked it up and it is so three days after the first full moon of April, Buddhists celebrate New Year's Day in certain countries. In other countries, the New Year is celebrated around the full moon in January and the time celebrated depends on the country and the people. For example, the people in Tibet celebrate the full moon of February, while the people in China, Vietnam, Korea, or sorry, and Korea celebrate at the end of January or the beginning of February. So there you go. Buddha's New Year. Uh, core values of Buddhism. So uh, I had uh, just thrown out that um, Buddhism and Christianity share some core values. And so I looked this up and I, I found this 
on a website. I don't know if it's that factual or not, but it seems pretty legit. So uh, the principles of Buddhist philosophy or the core beliefs in Buddhism in practice are the four noble truths, the noble eightfold path, and the five precepts. So the four noble truths are, so the first one is uh, unsatisfactoriness and suffering exist and are universally, exper- are universally experienced. Uh, the second noble truth is desire and attachment are the causes of unsatis- unsatisfactoriness and suffering. I don't think unsatisfactoriness is a word, but anyway. Uh, the third noble truth is there is an end to unsatisfactoriness and suffering. And the fourth noble truth is the end can be attained by the journey by journeying on the noble eight eightfold path. So the noble eightfold path. What is that? Well, here it is. One, right view slash understanding. I'm just going to list these off. I'm not going to explain them. Second, right thinking. Third, right speech. Fourth, right conduct. Five, right livelihood. Six, right effort. Seven, right mindfulness. Eight, right concentration. If you're really curious, you can look these up uh, and like understand them more or whatever. And then the five precepts. The five precepts are basic ethical guidelines for the followers of Buddhism. They are undertaken voluntarily rather than as a commandment from a god. And so the first is, I undertake the precept to refrain from destroying living creatures. Second, I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Third, I undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. Four, I undertake the precept to refrain from incorrect speech. And five, I undertake the precept to refrain from intoxicants. So there you go. Uh, Yes, a lot of things that are listed there um, are also kind of echoed in other religions, not just Christianity, but like Islam and Judaism and things like that. Uh, Then a bit later, I throw out um, something about the Great Commission. And I think we've gone over that in the podcast, but I just want to go over it again. So the Great Commission is as um, Jesus is leaving his disciples, he gives them, uh, so a commission is kind of like a, like a task, I guess, but like bigger than that, like a, a, a quest maybe might be another word for commission. Um, and so Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them all I, all that you have observed. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the day of the ages or your days, depending on your translation. And, um, so that's what the great commission is. It's pretty much Jesus being like, go and get more people on board with this thing that we just experienced together. Ta-da! That's how Christians are made. Um, (laughs) so then, uh, I ask, uh, if Buddhists go to church and he didn't really answer. So I'm going to answer, uh, Buddhists can worship both at home or at a temple. It is not considered essential to go to a temple to worship with others in, in Buddhism from what the internet told me. Uh, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. I said that it was a Southern expression. And then I was like, I don't actually know if that's true. So the proverb has been traced back to, um, G Toriano's commonplace of Italian proverbs. 
It first appeared in the United States in Benjamin Franklin's Poor Richard Almanac in uh, 1744 and is found in varying forms from Random House Dictionary of Popular Proverbs and Saying by Gregory Y. Teitelman. And I, yeah, so there you go. That's where that information comes from. Uh, then we talk about the story of Zacchaeus. Um, so long story short, um, so there was this tax collector back in the day, time of Jesus. His name was Zacchaeus. He may or may not have been, uh, vertically impaired. And, um, so tax collectors nowadays aren't maybe the most popular people. And back in the day, they definitely weren't the most popular people because they were working for the Romans and that, yeah, anyway. It's just not cool. So he wasn't everyone's favorite guy. Uh, and so Jesus is coming to town and right. Jesus has kind of made a name for himself at this point. And so Zacchaeus wants to see him, but like, um, there's like this big crowd around Jesus. So Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree, uh, to see Jesus and Jesus sees him in this tree and calls to him by name and says, Zacchaeus, what are you doing in that tree? I'm coming to your house. Like, and then like invites himself over for dinner, which I mean, like, not going to lie. And, and like, all right, I'm a big fan of Jesus, obviously. Um, but this is one of those moments that I'm like, kind of, kind of rude Jesus to invite yourself over to someone's house. But then I also think about it and I'm like, that'd be like, if like, I don't know, like Barack Obama came to town and then was like, yo, Kristen, I'm coming over to your house for dinner. I'd be like, hmm, kind of odd that you would just like say that, but I'm still kind of stoked that you're coming over to my house for dinner. So I don't know. Maybe it'd be great. Maybe it'd be not great because I'd be like, oh God, <laughs> Barack Obama's coming over. I don't know. You see what I'm saying. Um, And then... Van says that his favorite book is the book of James. So that's in the New Testament. It's one of the apostles, not apostles, but like epistles. Uh, and uh, it's five chapters long. So it is really a quick read and I highly recommend it. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, who said preach the gospel always and when necessary use words? That was St. Francis of Assisi. So there you go. That was all the facts. Thank you so much for listening to Low Theology. It is the podcast that brings heavenly ideas down to earth. And you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review and share. Uh, follow Low Theology on social media at Low Theology at, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And we'll talk next week. Bye.